Hello, everybody. Welcome once again uh, to our Bible study that we're doing right now on uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, ultimately, we're working through the New Testament, uh, one chapter at a time, verse by verse. And uh, hopefully in this process, we'll, we'll cover some things maybe you haven't really uh, looked at before, learn some new things, and as we study His Word together, and uh, the better we know it, ho- hopefully the better our relationship with God uh, develops and grows. And, and really that's the, the goal and the aim in the process. So we are looking through uh, the New Testament, sort of a chapter at a time. Uh, we are in this week in Matthew chapter 7 and, uh, and Mark chapter 17. That's only for a few of you who have been paying attention because there is no Mark chapter 17. Another joke, another time. All right. Matthew 7. Uh, let me read it to you, and uh, you can follow along. Although I'm reading out of the New King James Version today, in Matthew 7, uh, the Pew Bibles are NIV, uh, whatever translation you have get, but it is in your notes in the New King James, I'm pretty sure. Verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother... Let let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore... Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended. The floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, 
and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, Matthew chapter 7, those of you, you remember me talking about that, we are, uh, is the last of the three chapters that's included in what's normally called or referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been teaching, and basically what he's been doing is straightening out the, uh, the, the self-righteousness that the Pharisees projected, a Pharisaical righteousness. And um, throughout these verses, you've heard him say things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he's, he's sort of turning everything upside down because the people had gotten into a series of rules and regulations rather than into developing and maintaining a relationship with the living God. And Jesus has come to reestablish the relationship that we need to have with God throughout eternity. And so he's, he's been talking about all sorts of common uh, teachings of the day, and he's been trying to straighten out everybody and understand they, have been, they must be completely overwhelmed at what they're hearing. Uh, at the end, I like the last verse. It says, you know, they, they were like in awe because Jesus taught as one with authority. Uh, what that means is that Jesus taught and people changed. Uh, they went and did what he said. Uh, the scribes had been teaching forever and it had just sort of become background noise. But when Jesus taught, it was different. And they could tell it was different. So it impacted them greatly. But in Matthew 7, he sort of breaks it down into a few groupings that I wanted to look at tonight as we sort of finish up on the Sermon of the Mount. And uh, the first six verses, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, Jesus is really talking about the idea of judging and uh, not judging and what that means, uh, to judge or not to judge. And I I think his his, uh, illustration is very interesting because he talks about a speck and a... uh, and a, a log, what does he call it in there, a beam, a plank uh, in this version. Uh, so a speck and a plank. And it fascinates me because it is much easier for most of us to see the mess in other people's lives than it is to deal with the mess in our lives. And um, generally, and this is what Jesus is going after here, he's saying, who do you think you are judging people for their speck, when you've got this big log hanging out of your eye. He's saying, before you even begin to think about the speck in people's eyes, you need to deal with a massive log in your own eyes. But that's a lot more difficult for us. And, and maybe you, you, oftentimes people that have the biggest logs in their eyes or their bigger planks are oftentimes the most judgmental and critical um, because they haven't figured out yet they need grace. See, to me, that's the deal. When we are able, in humility, to realize our desperate need for a Savior, when we realize that we are part of the human race and that we have fallen short and that we all have things in our life, we have sin, we have struggles, and that we desperately need God's grace and God's forgiveness, as we become aware of that and and begin to grasp the concept of true repentance, of of getting these things to God and, and asking Him to empower us, to change, not only asking for forgiveness, but asking him to, to make, a, repentance is all about turning and moving in a new direction, to make that change. As we, as we begin to do that, as we grasp that concept, the way we look at people changes. Because we, 
we realize that we can't judge them for their stuff with so much stuff in our own lives. And, and it changes the way that we see people. If you've been coming on the weekends, we've been talking a lot about new perspective. And that I've been encouraging you to pray and ask God to give you His perspective for the way that He sees people and situations. And I promise you it's a lot different than yours. And, and part of this process comes in, in grabbing a hold of asking God to help us to admit our own need and then have grace for other people's uh, need and weaknesses. And remember, the, the Pharisees didn't do this. The Pharisees were all about judgment. And most of them were, were hypocrites because they had the same mess in their lives. Because you can't begin to deal with this stuff until you have a real relationship with God. In the natural, you can't make it. Remember in our, our past studies, we've talked about things like the Ten Commandments. And I've said to you uh, that, that God gave us uh, the, the Ten Commandments. He broke it down into ten rules. And he said, listen, this is how I want you to live. In community is my people. Ten. The Pharisees, by this time, had made that and broken it down into hundreds upon hundreds of laws and regulations. And the problem was they couldn't live up to the first ten. Why keep adding laws when you can't get the first ten down? And, and what we needed to see, what the idea was, it was always to point us to our need for a Savior. You can't do it. In your own natural ability, you cannot live the way that God wants you to live. It's not possible. You can't do it without Him. You can only do it in Christ, in relationship to God. Only then, and even then, we, we fall short, but only then, as we're empowered by the Spirit, can we begin to embrace the kind of life that God wants us to live in order to find life. And, and as we begin to admit our own need for forgiveness and, and move into real repentance, we see people differently. And we're not so astounded at the things that they do because we realize our stuff is just different. But we've got sin in our lives too. Sometimes, and, and certain things shock us in other people. Oh, I'd never do that. And, and yet, we do our own stuff. And, and, uh, and so we, we have to begin to see these things in our lives so that we can sort of start to deal with them. And, and so true repentance helps us to deal with uh, our own issues, but also helps us to see other people's issues as specks while we deal with the planks in our own lives. It's not until we deal with the planks that we can even begin to help people in a constructive way to deal with their specs. See, that becomes the bottom line issue. Why is it that we judge? Are we doing it out of a self-righteous motive? Or actually doing it to help restore people into their relationship with God? And until you've dealt with your stuff, you can't do the other part. Because sometimes people will take this thing and they go, well, does that mean that sin can never be confronted if we don't judge? And that's not what it means. And there, there's uh, verses in the Scripture where it talks about that actual process. 1 Corinthians um, 5.12 is one of those verses. And it says this. You can look it up later. Uh, Paul says, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Um, now, he's writing this. And if you read 1 Corinthians 5 in context, they have an issue in the church in that there, there's a man in the church who is um, sleeping with his father's wife. And she is outside the church. She's not in the church, but he is, and they're not dealing with it. Uh, and, and apparently he holds some position in the church. And Paul's like, what are you guys doing? And ultimately he's saying you need to move into that situation for his sake. Because you, you, you can't just pretend like it's not an issue when it is. And, and yet sometimes we fall back into this thing. Well, well you know, I don't want to judge. There's, there's a balance. And it ultimately it comes to the motive. 
If, if it, there's a self-righteous motive, which there usually is, we're not supposed to do it. If, if the motive, and none of us has completely pure, pure motive, but if the motive is restoration, that's different. But there are scriptural dynamics for how that is to be approached, if indeed it's part of the process. So, so this judgment that Paul talks about is, is done in a restorative fashion and, and not to not self Many of the times we resort to being critical and judgmental and moving into gossip because it makes us feel better about ourselves. That's why it happens. It's, it's totally self-motivated. If we can sort of judge somebody else, we feel better about our own stuff. And, and so we need to look at those things. But that whole process, understand, is, is pharisaical to its very core. And so we have to be very careful of this whole uh, dynamic. Now he says something that's, uh, I think, pretty interesting in, in verse 6 as well. Um, because he refers to dogs and pigs. Don't you think that's interesting in the Scripture? Um, and know that, that in those days, dogs and pigs were both despised by the people that had been uh, reading this. And I'm sorry for you dog lovers. You know, I love my dog. And I'm sorry for you pig lovers if there's any of those too. Let's not... I love pig, especially with eggs over easy. <laughs> and smoked and sliced on Christmas. Um, but he, the verse is to uh, not cast your pearls before swine. Um, basically, is a verse. Let me, let me read it. Uh, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before uh, swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, why would he throw that in in the midst of this uh, discussion on judgment. Was, he's carrying on the topic. Understand that when you read things in context, sometimes people like to grab a verse out and use it for something different. It's always held in the context. And, and uh, he's talking about, and he's sort of uh, making an example of judging and not judging. And he's saying, listen, there are times, though, when we need to use discernment about uh, entrusting holy things to unholy people. And that, that, that's where we, we're not operating in judgment at that point. We're operating with a level of discernment. Um, there are some things that, that uh, some people aren't safe to handle. Uh, things about your life, things about where you're at, um, those sort of things, which, which in the right context are indeed a holy thing as God is working in you. But, 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 uh, but giving them to someone that's not safe is something that you shouldn't do because it can cause you a lot of problems in your life. There are some things, especially if you're working through situations in your life, there are some things that, that can really only be shared with somebody trustworthy because someone getting a hold of it who isn't trustworthy could really mess up your life. And so we need to be careful about that process. And, and, uh, and you've probably had it happen sometimes. You, uh, here, here would be an example. You, you've just had some amazing thing happen that you know was God in your life. And you're so excited you tell somebody. And they immediately steal every ounce of joy, writing it off as just coincidence or, you know, God didn't have anything to do with that or that was just locker. And you realize that they have just stolen this moment from you that was uh, completely holy between you and God. And it just means they, that your discernment should be over time that you can't, that's not who you share that stuff with. You share that stuff with, with someone that can, can rejoice with you in, in the movement of God in your lives. And so we need to look at those things as we move into it. Now, in verses 7 through 11, he begins to talk about prayer. And uh, I, I, this is my sort of connotation, pray, pray, pray. Uh, in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus had given his disciples a model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and we talked about that 
uh, when we were there uh, last week. He is now assuring them that God welcomes and answers prayer. And the ask, seek, and knock part of that prayer are written in the present tense. So they could actually be translated, um, keep asking, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. It's the idea of continually coming to God in prayer. Continually. We're, we're to live a life of prayer before God. And, and the entire part of that teaching is uh, um, sort of reiterating what he said already about, you know, when you pray, don't, it's, not, it's not a public spectacle. It's something that you're to do between you and God. But, but it's something that's to happen regularly. Prayer. Pray. 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 Jesus is emphasizing the point. Matthew 7:12 um, is is he's beginning to really sum up now his teaching. Jesus is he's he's winding down. He's had these people now and he's been talking to them, and he is trying to sort of sum up uh, in this verse what the law was meant to be. And he says in Matthew 7:12 what what is commonly referred to as the golden rule. And what he says is, is this, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We talked here about the golden rule because it's, it's a walking out of the way that God wants us to live in the world. And, uh, and living this way is, is a fulfillment of uh, the law and the prophets. But it's something that we can't do without God's help. Again, this life that God wants us to live can only be lived in relationship with God in Christ. You can't do that in the natural. Think about it. It's, it's, you just can't. You don't always treat people the way you want to be treated. Sometimes you treat people really badly because you feel like it. Sometimes you treat the people you love badly because you need to, <laughs> you think. Um, right? Sometimes have you ever just gotten mad at somebody because you needed to get mad and you, they were just there? Right? I mean, it's life, right? And, and the person that you're mad at is like, what I do? <laughs> what? What? I don't get it. Um, uh, sometimes it's just sort of the way that it happens. But, but what God wants us to do is to treat people all the time the way we want to be treated. And, and, and again, that's a huge perspective because we get these ideas and sometimes we, we don't think that some people deserve to be treated in certain ways. And we relegate people and we judge people and all this stuff ties together. And what Jesus is saying here is, he's saying, listen, treat people the way you want to be treated. You need to be aware of who's safe and who's not. You need to use some discernment. But, but you need to begin to treat people as my creation. Because I care about them. I want you to care about them. And, and so we have to move into that process. But we can only do that as we walk with God. Now, verses 13 and 14 are intense verses. Because they lay down a scenario that most people culturally wouldn't agree with. And he says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. Now, I, I don't think that is your normal gospel presentation, is it? <laughs> it's not the big sell. Um, but, but, see, life, and we talked about this, 
is difficult. It's, it's part of the, the deal. And if we embrace it, then it's, it gets easier because we know it's just moving the way it's supposed to in a fallen world on a broken planet. But I think the most shocking part of that verse is at the end of it where it says this, there are few who find it. Does that sort of make you think? Few. There, there are few who find it. Again, you know, our culture a lot of times sort of wants to promote, well, you know, most people are good people, and then we, we have this thing that everybody's truth is valid and, and all those things. That is a tough scripture. That there are few who find it. He goes on and he asks this question in verses 15 through 20. He says, who, uh, I'm saying this, who are you listening to? And I think with the shock of verse 14, because they should have been shocked. It, it should have been, uh, what did he just say? So remember, the, the sort of overall view, especially of the Pharisees, was that just because they were Abraham's kids, they were in. That this wasn't an issue. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying it's a huge issue. And uh, with that ringing in their ears, he goes on and he says, look, there's a lot of false prophets out there who are telling you things that you want to hear, and, and they're not helping you at all because they're really all about themselves. And we still have that going on today. There's a lot of people out there who are spreading a lot of different messages and ultimately, it's about them. And, and we need to know. And we know them by their fruit. Ah, isn't that judgment? No, there's a difference between judging someone and inspecting their fruit. You're supposed to be a fruit inspector. It's part of your job title. And you can do it without judging. But look at people's fruit. Who are they doing it for? What is the, is it, is it, is the core of their message about Jesus or not? Um, if it's not, you, you've got an issue. If, if even it seems like the core of their message is about Jesus, and yet the fruit of their lives would display something completely different, you need to be very cautious. Um, what, what, what kind of fruit do you look like? I, I look for, you know, I kind of want to see how people live this thing. And uh, I struggle sometimes, fruit inspection, with some of the opulence that sometimes happens. I, I love guys like Billy Graham, who could have lived opulently, lived very simply. He, he was able to be heard by everybody because he lived in a simple house up in the hills. And, and you know, he, he did that. Uh, Rick Warren from Saddleback gave away 90% of that money from the, his book sales because he's made a lot of money. But 90% went back to the church. And he went back and paid the church everything they, that he'd ever been paid as well. I mean, this is because he doesn't, he said it's not about that. So now, those guys for me are a lot easier to listen to um, than, than some other situations. Not in a judgmental way, but a fruit inspection is their fruit, keeping with their message. And so we need to be aware of that in our lives. And then he goes on in verses 21 through 29, and, and he says, Be doers and not just hearers of the word. That's my little breakdown there. In order to find real life, we need to not only hear what Jesus says, we need to do what he says. He, he, he taught as one who had authority and his teaching impacted people to respond, and it still does today. When, when, when you accept the teachings of Jesus Christ, it should change your life radically. Because it, it was a radical teaching. It changed everything in the known world, upside down. still does today. And, and, and so, um, his words need to change us. This, this whole sermon was sort of the foundation of the message that he brought. Remember, he, we said that he brought a message and he brought a ministry. He brought words and he brought works and that we need both. We need to not only hear, we need to do. We need to, to go and do. The works aren't for salvation, um, but they're part of the, the ministry that he brought and he included us in. And so that's what he's moving us through 
there as we finish up the Sermon on the Mount. Next week, we will not do Matthew chapter 8 because we're doing Christmas Eve. But the week after that, we'll be in Matthew chapter 8, okay? So, so read after that, and uh, if you get a chance, then we'll, we'll move into that. And that'll be that for today. If you have prayer requests, please pass them up to me. I would be happy to pray for you, uh, for your prayer request today before we go. And uh, if you're watching on video or something, uh, you can email us, call us, write us. If you're up in Williston, they'll pray for you up there. Um, God bless you all, and we're going to go ahead and pray now.